Welcome back to the What's Inside podcast or the What's Inside show. I am the host, Dan, and today we have an awesome guest, one of my best friends in YouTube, outside of YouTube. We've got Mr. Zach from Jerry Rig Everything. A lot of you guys have seen his channel. You've seen us do, I don't even know how many collaborations together. We've filmed a ton of videos together. I thought it'd be good to come and have a conversation. And I would think, as long as we keep doing this podcast, Zach will be one of the regulars, like maybe one every like 15 or 20 episodes, or unless you guys don't want him on, then we probably <laughs> still will have him on. So <laughs> let us know in the comments. <laughs> so again, this podcast is on iTunes. It's on Spotify, pretty much everywhere where you can get streaming podcasts. But we also have the What's Inside podcast channel where you can watch the video versions. So those of you that are watching on YouTube, you're good. You're seeing this right now. So we're going to have a conversation with Zach and talk a bit about maybe some of the things that we've done together in the past some interesting things about YouTube in general. Um, but I'm going to start with like the most basic thing, which is a very general question, but I think there's probably some people that don't know this side of it. Just tell us the story about how you got started to become even a YouTuber. So when I first started my YouTube channel, I was like throughout my whole life, like how far back do we want to go? <laughs> when I was three when years old. I was old, a baby. <laughs> no, for real. When I was three years old, I, I went door to door um, selling toothpicks to my neighbors for a penny a piece. We really are going back. I We're like going this. way back. This is never before traverse territory of the Jerry Everything <laughs> YouTube channel. Um, so I've always been an entrepreneur ever since, you know, my, my three-year-old selling toothpick days. And, um, so when I was in college, you know, skipping a couple of years, um, I, and I've always been doing projects and stuff my whole life. But when I was in college, I was like, what direction do I want to take with my life? You know, my career, I knew that I didn't really want to work for anybody else. I knew I wanted to do my own thing. And which I imagine is like a similar, cause like to be a YouTuber, you have to be an entrepreneur. I don't think a lot of people realize that, but it truly is in all aspects. I got yeah. a degree in business management, finance, and an accounting degree. And I thought I was going to be some entrepreneur, run a business. Never would I thought that it would have been making YouTube videos, but you really do cover all aspects of business. Right. You have to know, you have to, you have to wear a lot of different hats to be a YouTuber. Anyway, so I was, I was going to school because I didn't really have a plan and school is a great thing to help you find a plan and to network and to, you, you know, work on your people skills and stuff like that. School is a good thing. Um, and I was there and I was working full time at a cell phone store and I was going to school full time and I was doing my projects full time. And one of my buddies, um, it wasn't a buddy. He was a guy I knew we, we ran in the same circle of friends, but he made the YouTube video called, um, why guys and girls can't be friends. Does that ring a bell? I haven't seen that. No, this is like probably 10 years old at this point, nine years old. Anyway, he made that video and like he got a ton of views and like he would talk about that he he was able to buy a car with the money he made from that YouTube video. Okay. And then Toothpick Boy comes out and says, here we go. And I'm like, wait a minute, you can make money online by making YouTube videos? And so I, I was working on a project at the time, a Jeep, and I um, was looking for videos on how to fix it because it was going to cost, I took it to a shop, it was going to cost $1,000 to fix um, and I found a YouTube video that could teach me how to fix it for 60 bucks, I think it was. Nice. And so YouTube's a great place. And so I messaged the guy who made the video, and he said that he made videos to decrease World Suck at the same time that he gets a little money from YouTube. And that's when it, like, really clicked for me. And I was like, this is, like, a real deal. Like, you can make money from YouTube. 
and make the world a better place. Decrease world suck. I've seen you do a presentation before, maybe in Northern Ireland, and you put that as like a PowerPoint. Yeah. Decrease world suck. <laughs> make that. the world a better place. I really like that. You know, if 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 someone watching my projects can help them finish their projects and get them brownie points with their wife or their girlfriend or whatever, like fixing their phone or whatever, like that's that's where, you know, I feel good about helping them out. And so, you know, it started from there. Um, I started doing Jeep and motorcycle repair videos. And then I realized that if I want to increase my audience, I would have to make videos on something that um, more people were interested in. So it was a conscious decision to switch into cell phone repair, which I was already kind of doing at my day job. I was just filming projects I was already doing anyway. Right. And you already had a skill. You saw people that would come in and similar to the Jeep, the $1,000 versus $70, you looked at it and said, okay, this guy just paid $150 to get a new battery in his iPhone 4. He could probably do it for like 20 or 30. Yeah. But there's nowhere on YouTube where you could actually learn how to do this. So and that's if there was their videos were like an hour long and showed all the mistakes. And I'm like, if I could make this way more concise, apparently people like short and concise videos. When's the last time you've done a short and concise video? Oh my gosh, they've gotten longer over the <laughs> they've years. They've gotten longer. I noticed that. I was like, now all my videos are like eight minutes long. Which YouTube is, algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> Got more to say now, I guess. So you move into cell phones, you start doing that, and how? And and then at some point, you stepped away and said, this is going to be my full-time job. Yeah. So when I first started my YouTube channel, I did my first probably 30 or 40 videos under the channel name Green Dew Ocean. <laughs> I love that. Because I really liked Mountain Dew at the time. And I was in college, like, you know. And then I realized that, like, when it was like, oh, hey, this is kind of taken off. I have, you know, a couple hundred subscribers. Like, this could be a thing. <laughs> a couple hundred. Was, yeah. was, when I was making, like, five cents a day, I was so pumped. I was, like, I was showing my friends. I was like, look at this. At the end of the year, I'll be able to buy a hamburger. <laughs> I was pumped, so pumped, so excited, which you have to be from like right? the first minute you have to have passion about whatever it is you're making videos about. I realized that I don't want to be going forward known as Green Dew Ocean Boy. And so I was thinking there, I, was, I got all my good ideas at like two o'clock in the morning, but I was laying there in bed and I was like, Jerry Rig. And I realized that my grandpa, who was like the king of Jerry Rig everything, um, his name was Jerry, and so we always said that he jerry-rigged things. It was kind of goes way back, but it was kind of like um, he died when I was like 12 or 13, and so it was kind of like paying respect to him as well as like fixing stuff with what you have on hand, and like it was like the perfect combination of names, and I was like, that's it. That's what it's going to be, and that's what it was. Goodbye, Green Dew Ocean. Goodbye. But back then, you couldn't change your channel name. You had to delete your whole channel and start oh over gosh. again. So I deleted all of my videos and then re-uploaded them all on the on the Jerry Rig Everything channel. Those few hundred people, the real OGs, the, real the OGs. Green Dew Ocean guys <laughs> that probably made their own t-shirts of Green Dew Ocean. Yep. They thought you are gone forever. They <laughs> hopefully probably, they found you by now. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> no, that's an amazing story. I love hearing everybody's different story because you didn't know it was going to be YouTube, but it kind of fits in with everything in your life. So I love to entertain. I love to do dorky, goofy things and that's always kind of been my thing, whether it was in my sales job as a drug rep, I would wear a suit every day to work and I didn't really fit in. I felt like I was an imposter every day, just like walking into this doctor's office, this guy that's been a doctor for 20 years, went to med school for another eight years on top of his bachelor's degree. And I'm supposed to tell him why he needs to use this drug over another one. It just felt out of place. And I always wanted to do just like goofy things, talk about sports or whatever. So it's kind of funny how, but I loved business and that side of it. But I tried do, being an entrepreneur once. A lot of people don't know this, but actually, I don't think hardly anybody knows this. 
I wanted to do, I was in the drug world and I'm like, I should do some sort of nutritional supplement in some way and sell those. There's no regulations like the FDA. I'm like, this will be great. So I made this one at the time I sold Zoloft, which is like for depression. Sorry, I'm getting off track here. No, but, you're great. <laughs> um, anyway, so I sold this drug called Zoloft and it's for like, is an antidepressant, helped mostly women that would take it. A lot of men take it too, but mostly women. And I thought, what if there's a natural depression pill that you could take that you don't have to take a drug from a drug company you could use nutritional supplements and i could you got to find a niche a niche i would just target women that's it i made it pink i had the pills pink i hired a scientist and paid her like fifteen thousand dollars to make the actual formulation so it was legit sent it off we spent i spent probably twenty five thirty thousand dollars in total on this thing i sold two bottles out of all of them and one of them got returned Wow! <laughs> and i was like this is not the thing but i don't need to go to business school anymore because i learned a lot from yeah. this and by doing that i learned about google ad revenue and adsense and had all those things tied in that as soon as we did do lincoln's videos or our videos with the family videos i was like i can just click this button and monetize from my old channel of being an entrepreneur selling these nutritional supplements that I ended up just dumping in a dumpster all the boxes just all of them it's some apartment complex it's a sad day I'm just like dumping it in oh no but um it's interesting how like everything kind of came together and now I make weird YouTube videos but they're fun have some education in there so I can educate but I don't go super deep in the science because I'm not as smart on that side of things but I don't know it's kind of interesting to see everybody's way there's two things I think of though and I hear your story one we need two bumper stickers well this is the two things. We need two bumper stickers. First one needs to be Green Dew Ocean. That needs to be a bumper sticker with like a logo. And then the other one needs to be Decrease World Suck. Like that's actually pretty good. I don't know if anybody's ever coined that before other than hearing you talk about it, but that could be a t-shirt. That should be a t-shirt on your merch website, Decrease World Suck. People would love that. That's a good phrase. Yeah. One of the things that I've always noticed, because like I got my business in, um, I got my degree in business management as well. So it's interesting that we both have the same degree. Um, but I've noticed that anytime we go to a YouTube event or some, you know, we've done projects with like Mercedes. Um, anytime we go to one of those events, you are always networking, no matter if we've only had like one hour of sleep a night and I'm like asleep on the couch. Dan's over there talking to like everyone important in the room and like making connections. And like, that's super, super important. And I imagine some of that spilled over from your drug rep days. For sure. And you should, yeah, that's a good point. Thank you for that compliment too. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed, that's one thing I was good at. I wasn't good at teaching them, but I could make friends with the doctors and get to know people. And I truly enjoy like getting to know people. And that's why I think the podcast is going to be fun because it's, I get to just talk to people, but that is part of it. But the other part of it was make doing presentations. I went on a two-year church mission. I don't know that I learned much about doing presentations. I was in the Filipino language, like... It was a little different. I did learn some things for that, that type of skill. But when I got back and when I was a drug rep, I remember the first day they turned a camera on. I was in training for three weeks in Denver, Colorado. And I was, it was just me in training for some reason. It was right before they did this massive layoff and they hired me. And so I was with this guy that was like a pro at being a drug rep. We go in this room. He's got a camera set up. He's like, okay, sell me this drug. You have 30 minutes, thir- three minutes. And then I filmed and he filmed it and then we watched it back and he's like, do you see how bad that is? I'm like, yes, I see how bad that is. It was really bad. And he's like, okay, now go sell something. What's something you're passionate about? You talk about basketball a lot. Tell me why the Phoenix Suns are the best team because that's where I lived is Phoenix. He's like, tell me why they are the best team and should win the championship this year. And I did this whole thing. Still wasn't great, but it was better. And it was like this training process. And every six months we'd go to these meetings and we would have to talk to another employee of Pfizer and like practice in front of them they would be the doctor and we'd be the rep and it was like back and forth 
And so absolutely, like, I think that was one of the questions I was going to ask you is, do you find value in college? Is school make sense in 2020? You already kind of answered that. You said school is a good thing. I feel like that school is a good thing for some of the reasons you said. It's great to communicate with people. That was huge for me, like doing group projects, learning how to get things done. But then I also think like getting a real job until you're able to really be successful on the platform where you're making money is a good thing because I learned so many things from my job that made me who I am on YouTube and be able to have these conversations where before I was too nervous. I wouldn't just go up to people and talk to them or sit in front of a camera. We've got three cameras looking at us right now like yeah. and a microphone. Like I was super nervous. But anyway, so yeah, but school. You're a fan of school. So I, high school was great. College, I was like, this is dumb. Like almost the whole time I was in college, I was like, this is dumb. Um, because I would go to class. The teacher, like my first day of um, when I was at Utah State, my first day, three of the four teachers didn't even show up to class on the first day. I'm like, what in the world? What am I paying for? Um, <laughs> this is $2,000. Right? I was like, I was annoyed. And then when you do go to class, the teacher pulls up a YouTube video, which they got online for free. It's like, why am I paying to be taught by someone who's teaching with a YouTube video? But like, as time went on, I realized that going to college and jumping through those hoops was a skill and all by itself and um, networking with the people like I'm still friends with a bunch of people I met in college and like you do learn a lot of skills as it transitions you into the next phase of your life if you don't know what you're doing and same thing with like I didn't quit my day job until YouTube was making more money than my day job was making I was working full-time going to school full-time and doing YouTube full-time um, one of the comp and like I don't I don't condone not sleeping but one of the <laughs> one of the best compliments that I've ever gotten was one of my buddies was like, dude, you sleep less and work more than anybody else I know. And I was like, yes. <laughs> um, and some people can do that. Some people can work with no sleep. Now I have to get eight hours, but back in college, man, I was killing it with like four or five. What's interesting is even once years later, I remember, what was it when we went up to, we took an ice cream truck and we like celebrated, was it 1 million subscribers you hit? I want to say it was 1 million. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it had to have been because I met you and you already had like 130,000 or something. Yeah, we met, I think I had 200,000. 200,000, yeah. Okay, so had to have been a million. We went up, surprised you. But there's one thing, like right now, if you're watching on the video podcast, um, you'll see it. But if you're not, let me just paint a picture for the second here. We've got three monitors or a TV and then two monitors. Maybe they're all three monitors. We've got his, his little awards right here. This is the voiceover thing where he talks into it so it sounds super clear and crisp but when he's doing the voiceovers type stuff and then we're just in this one room this room right now is probably two times bigger than the room that he had in his apartment <laughs> where it was with the place that he slept the place where he changed he had a little bathroom there's a little bathroom right here but it was everything he like moved this thing up and all of a sudden there was more room for us to sit down it was like this is really your place but the funny thing is going back to that like like working hard and being smart he owned the entire townhome, and I don't even think, I think you owned more than one townhome, and you rented them out to people. So he had roommates that lived inside of the townhome, and then he had this little tiny place that was this international, worldwide phenomenon <laughs> of fixing videos. And at the same time, you have your Amazon business where you would ship out parts like batteries and lens, all that stuff for cell phones. And it was just like this little tiny room. So yes, you, you definitely hustled. <laughs> That's definitely one of your MOs. Yeah. One of the projects that I think is really cool that you're working on is the not a wheelchair. So Cambry is in a wheelchair pretty much most of the time. And 
Pretty she, much all, all the time. Pretty much all the time. <laughs> For the last like 16 years. Yeah. So she is yeah. in a wheelchair and you, of course, are always fixing things. And you're like, you know what? I want to be able to have her go and have some experiences outside that maybe she doesn't have. She loves horses. She teaches people how to do horse stuff. So how nice to have something to be able to cruise around on or to go up in the mountains or go on trails. So I remember when you're telling me about it and you're like, I'm just going to rig up these bikes, these electric bikes. And you like rigged them up and then made this video. And yeah, anyway, there's a lot of backstories there. I won't go into about the, the bikes and the companies, but, um, but then at one point you're like, you know what, I'm just going to make my own thing. So, all right. So you launched not a wheelchair. That's what you call it. It's an off-road beast. If you haven't seen it, like it's actually really, really cool. It's like four wheels, has some torque. You can go off roads. It's legal to go on a lot of different trails where anybody, where, where a mountain bike can go and different things. How many months are we in and how have sales been going and what is it? What's, what's it looking like? Are you, did you, cause some people might be like, well, he launched it. Maybe it wasn't successful and he's not going to do it anymore, but let's hear about it. How's All it right. going? Um, well, first, let me touch on the room situation. So I did <laughs> I did have my office and bedroom in the same room for like until I hit a million subscribers and beyond that. Um, but it was like just conserving space and money, and it was actually working out very well. Um, okay, now on to the uh, not a wheelchair stuff. So when I met Cambry, um, our very first date, we um, we had crepes, which is like this sweet dessert type of thing. Um, we met at nine o'clock at night, had like this dessert and we talked until two o'clock in the morning and just super, like we just connected on our very first date. Um, and the first thing that came to my mind is like, all right, well, let's go on some more dates. But I realized that if we wanted to go on a hike or if we wanted to go, you know, across a big field, um, it was really hard for her in a wheelchair. And so I, I just like tried to figure out a way to, to get her and have more fun, you know, with, on our dates and stuff. And off-road wheelchairs at the time were like ten thousand dollars, or fifteen thousand dollars. Like they were really, yeah. Really I thought they were around fifteen, is what you'd mentioned. You're yeah. like, they're crazy expensive. Yeah, for this I think, thing, and I think it could be done a lot better. Yeah, the big tracked wheelchairs. I think they start at like twelve thousand, and then they go up to like thirty. And if 000. something breaks, you can't even fix it. Right. And so I was like, well, there's a ton of electric bike parts out there, and like you can probably build a pretty cool machine with just electric bike parts. And so I did my first one for about three thousand dollars. Um, but it was super heavy, kind of hard for her to get into. And so then I partnered up with Utah Trikes down in Payson, just kind of like, I don't know, 45 minutes away from us. Um, and they helped design this sweet version with four tires, 24-inch tires, 20-inch um, tires, sorry. And then uh, with parts that come from bicycles. And so repairing it is super, super simple, super easy. If you can fix a bike, you can fix the not a wheelchair. And um, sales have been really good. Um, launching during a pandemic, probably not the best idea. Um, we started selling in August of last year, and then the pandemic hit, and like the bike industry across the board has been kind of decimated. Um, but for the most part, since Utah Trikes has been in business for like 15 years, they have already, they have the manufacturing, what is that? Not hindsight. Foresight? Experience. experience they have the manufacturing yeah. experience to <laughs> yeah. like, handle all of the orders we've been getting when you say they were decimated you mean nobody's buying bikes or there's so many people buying bikes that you can't get the parts so many people buying bikes and so many companies not selling parts anymore like so for example one of our brake systems um, for like the front tires they're hydraulic so you don't need to like tighten up any cables or anything like that they're like self-maintaining 
um, like as the brake pads wear down, the hydraulics compensate for that. Um, one of the companies that were making our brakes is now not going to be in stock until 2023. And so the parts are just super hard to get, but there's other manufacturers and stuff. Anyway, um, long story short, we've never caught up with the demand for the rigs, but we are almost caught up, um, probably next month or the month after. And, uh, yeah, all of the, all the initial orders will be out at that point. Yes. And like, we've, we've gone through the initial, like first couple months of orders. Now it's like, there's, if you order a rig, you'll get it in like six to eight weeks, which is pretty normal across the board. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been an experience. Have you, are you changing very many things? Like as you, are you doing the Elon Musk model where it's like, this is a problem, this little thing we could fix and do it for cheaper. Let's do it right now on this model. Or do you say, or do you do it like the GMC, the Ford, the old school way where it's like, this is the 2021 model next year where though we're going to have all this stuff in it. No. Or is it a mixture of both? Um, mostly the first option where we find some little thing we want to change. We change it immediately and then move forward. Like we've changed the, we used to have square tubing and now we've gotten tubing with rounded corners, which is a little bit stronger. And so that's just one example. And then um, we've switched out for stronger motors because we're ordering so many motors at the same time. We've been able to customize the internals of the motor because um, most e-bike motors go 20 miles an hour off the shelf, um, but we only want our system to go 13 miles an hour for safety. And so we've custom wound these motors for 13 miles an hour, which gives us more torque off the line. And so just because we've had so many orders, we can do that at quantity. Which is That's pretty awesome. Cool. I still need to get one. I don't know why I haven't. I, actually, the first reason why I didn't order one is because you did have such high demand. And as, as fun as I think they are, I felt like I think there's a lot of people that are similar to Cambry situation that need to get one of those. Like their quality of life is going to increase by like 100 on their outdoors where mine would go up like five it'd still be five percent five yeah, yeah. times or whatever so i was like you know let's wait a little bit but i am gonna get one one of these days they're so fun we had one temporarily and then we gave it to somebody gave it away so that was really yeah. fun i love the thing it's a blast one of the things so we sell these at cost so my wife and i don't make any money off of these it's just like a passion project for us youtube handles everything youtube is more than we need um and so this is a passion project but i still so the lowest price you can get one of these for is forty seven hundred dollars um which i still which we're selling it at cost, but it's still really expensive for most people. And so we are constantly, like I have another project that should be out hopefully within a year. Um, that'll be, it'll be like a companion vehicle to the rig. I'm not gonna talk a whole lot about it right now, but it's gonna be pretty sweet and it's gonna be a whole lot cheaper. Okay, that's it's interesting. Not gonna, it's not gonna take the place of the rig, but it'll be a companion vehicle to the rig. Did Have you done anything? I think you've done something from like the donation side where people can actually donate money mm -hmm. to pay for somebody to get a rig. Yeah, and we've I think we've gotten enough money for like six or seven of those. Um, so super awesome, super generous. And yeah, all of the money that gets donated and all of the purchase goes straight into the manufacturing and then we don't keep any of the profit. Have you given out those rigs to people? Mm-hmm. How did you select them? How do you find these people? Um, so people also on the website, they can fill out a form and like tell who they are. And like, then we have a team of people that kind of go through and figure out if it's going to be a good fit or not. Cause the rig isn't built for every disability. It's built mostly for paraplegics. 
you still have to have the use of your arms to steer as well as grip the brakes. And a pretty good strength, too. Yeah. Not even just, not just a little bit, but you got to have some pretty good strength. Yeah, if you, if you aren't able to grip the brakes, probably not a good fit for this particular device. Our next one, probably, but this one, probably not. Hmm. That's cool. That is really good. Okay, a question that everybody wants to know about. Um, we, what did you, when did you come up with the Jerry Rig voice? And it, it was that a conscious decision? I mean, you talk the way you talk, but when you're doing this, you pull this over. You have a, you have this narration voice. That, let's get started. That you have, <laughs> let's get started. I have a dream that at some point I'll be able to take apart a folding phone and put it back together again in one piece. But I have a feeling today isn't going to be that day. Tell me about the voice and the voiceover narration. Do you just do it, or do you have like a certain? I don't know. Let's hear about this. Have you even thought about this? Yes, I have. I've thought about it a lot, actually, um, because I do do it. Like, as soon as I sit down in front of the computer, I do turn on the YouTube voice. And, like, as soon as I, like, start instructing somebody on something, the YouTube voice comes out. (laughs) Um, But I think I started it back in... When going back to the first part of our conversation, when I was, like, realizing that if I wanted to grow my audience, I had to do something that more people were interested in. So I switched to cell phones and then I did repairs for a while. And I was like, if I want, if I want more people to watch then I have to do something that more, cause not everyone's going to fix their phone, but everyone wants to see their phone durability tested. And so I started doing durability tests. And then I realized that because I'm not on camera, I have to make the audio as interesting as possible. And I realized that like my first couple videos, just like when you were doing your drug rep training, you were terrible at it. And I think if you watch one of my first videos, I said the word, um, like 140 times, um, because I didn't plan out what I was going to say. I didn't have practice speaking. I was just like, um, um, over and over and over and over again. And so it took a lot of practice. And then I, I just realized I needed to be more, have like the inflection in my voice to keep people entertained. And so it was a conscious decision to bring out the Jerry Rig golf announcing YouTube voice. <laughs> I love it. And did you have you always done jokes? I don't. Th- I don't know if a lot of people realize, but what, that's the question I get from people, and that I've asked some people before. Because I'll meet people that watch like all of your phone teardown videos, and I'm like, okay, so you watch all these. Um, what is it about that phone? Are you going to buy the phone? Is there something? And they're like, no, I just really like Zach. He's just every <laughs> one of his videos is good, and I think a lot of it is. A lot of people may not realize this. But you put a lot of thought into the whole talk. Like, I've seen papers around here. You've got papers and papers of just things that you've done research on. You read. I've been with you on trips when you are doing your research and writing everything out. But then you started adding in jokes. Do you, do you even know when you started doing that, that joke side of it? I think, I mean, my first couple of, like, the repair videos were super strictly, like, technical technical (laughs) and like this is how you do it quick to the point get out of there because i hated watching youtube videos where like they start doing a project their dog comes on they talk to their dog and they're like it they take 10 minutes to explain something that takes 10 seconds um and so i didn't want to be that person and so i would just try to keep everything to the point but after like 50 or 60 of those i was like man i'm getting bored (laughs) and so i had to like you know throw some throw some jokes in there but yeah i do I do research everything because I'm not because like you sometimes just jump onto a video and just wing it like I don't you don't you probably have like bullet points in your head but you're just like in there and just like going to town but like I have to have a script that I check all the time to keep my bullet points in order and like I think it's just our brains work differently that way. 
but that's the best way that works for me. And I feel like your jokes probably started, my guess is as soon as you started in a way like making fun of Apple in a way, or just not even making fun of them, but just being disappointed in Apple, the ecosystem, the way that they do things. And then you saw people really like that stuff. You're like, oh, maybe, uh, maybe, yeah, this is good. And then something happens in a video, you're like, oh yeah, I, you already feel that you're always on Reddit anyway. You're like, this would be a good thing for Reddit, but actually let's put this comment in my video and maybe not everybody will catch it. That's the funny thing is a lot of people don't catch the jokes. They don't catch the sarcasm or the little things that you say or put in there. Like you'll even mess with the audio sometimes to where it like switches to the right ear and the left ear. There's just like these little things that keep people watching and keep them smiling. Like they're watching a, a phone teardown video or a scratch test, a durability test, and they're super entertained. So um, I love the Apple stuff. I, I, I don't know if you've done as many Apple jokes lately. Apple's Maybe. changed. They have become a little bit better as far as like how much, yeah, what you get, what you pay for. Yeah. So, so they're, they're, a lot of it was deserved, right? Like the, you were probably the main driver for, let's see, get the complaints about the headphone jack being gone when that thing was gone. Oh man, <laughs> you gave it to them in so many videos. I'm trying to think of some of your good Apple stuff. There's that, um, there's, the sapphire the scratch test they still haven't fixed that yet it's still not sapphire still, still not sapphire or one it, time is that what they call it sapphire they call it right sapphire now? glass which technically yeah. isn't the same it's supposed to be sapphire crystal um but one time they left it off of their website and i was like good job apple you didn't brag about it this time and then they went and put it right back on their website in your video yeah you put the video out and then they changed it oh my gosh super annoying um, so I was actually at the Apple store on Monday picking up, um, the, those air tags and I ended up buying some headphones that were really expensive, but they're really cool. Lincoln has a pair and I was like, I have, okay, I need these. They're really good for phone calls, but they're way too expensive, but they work better than my Bose. Anyways, I was with my home builder, Jonathan. He came down to Vegas with me. It's like a two hour drive and I don't know why he just wanted to come chat. We drove down there and drove right back. But we went, when we were in there, he was like, Oh, look at this case. His was, his had some like screen liquid screen thing on there that somebody put on and it was like all cracked everywhere hmm. and he's like oh look at this phone this says it has like sapphire protector built into it i don't even need oh, to get a protector yeah. and that's what he said like this was on monday because they were all lined up in the apple store it and they the all Zag were promoting that. protector but this one wasn't even a project protector at all it was like actually it's apple's new marketing where they say it has i can't remember what it's called it's something with their lens it's a straw or the, not their lens their screen is the strongest glass it's ever been oh yeah and okay so, like right now they're saying that so anyway has apple ever reached out to you and been like hey stop making fun of us there was one time that they called me up and i we had a short conversation <laughs> we had a short conversation <laughs> you don't have to say it for legal reasons don't say it no, just <laughs> yeah that's pretty funny i do love it when brands reach out and complain i've talked about it before i don't know if i've talked about it on this podcast i probably will on some of them but like we've had uh, the safe company. <laughs> Maybe I will mention that a little bit. We, I know I mentioned it on Sarah Dietschy's podcast once, but and that video is on YouTube, but they reached out the CEO after we cut into the Liberty safe and keeping the long story short, basically he wanted us to take it down, was threatening us for legal issues and saying that this needs to go off. You're going, a, a bad thing's going to happen because of what you're showing the world of how to get into these things. And I'm like, well, or you could just make them stronger. But I think it's funny because I make this video. It's a great video. I thought it was pretty clear. Like maybe this isn't the right one for you. If you're going to be putting firearms in there, maybe, maybe it's good for documents. 
And then like seriously, three weeks later, month later, I go to Zach's studio, Zach's office, and he's got this brand new safe. And it's the exact same one, the exact same model, like every little thing, the color, the model, everything. I'm like, do you even watch our videos? Over I here? do. I didn't memorize it. It was a cheap safe. <laughs> probably it was probably cheap because of your video. <laughs> probably. So I bought it. Yeah. To, to be fair, though, um, I do have an iPhone. And even though you point out all the flaws over the years, I still buy it every year. So there's True. that. The only time I've had a company reach out and like ask me not to remove a video, but like ask me if they could like, let me just tell you the story. So I was, it was a, it was a smart lock video that I was going to take apart. And I realized very quickly into the durability test that you could just unscrew the back cover and unlock the lock from the inside within like three seconds. Didn't you use like a GoPro mount and you just like stuck it on there or yeah. something? It just came out, twisted it off, unlocked the lock in seconds. And so I published that video and obviously it got a lot of views really, really quickly because locks shouldn't be able to be unlocked in three seconds. But I was just amazed by that lock because it was the, it was like the world's first one where you just use your fingerprint and you're like, this is amazing. This is going to change everything. Everybody was pumped, like all positive press. And then you're just like, okay, this broke. I got into it in like five seconds. And so they emailed me and they're like, Hey, is there anything we can do? Um, and I was like, well, I don't, I'm not about, like, I don't want to make negative videos. So I'll be willing to make another video for you for free. Like I'm not going to take any money for it or anything because that would be weird. Um, so I'll, I will make one more video for you. But what do you want the video to be? I can either retest a bunch of locks or I can wait until you fix the problem. And they're like, all right, we're going to please test some more locks and see if it was just a one issue or not. And so I went and I bought six more locks by myself. I didn't publish this from different places too. from right? different places like Newegg, Amazon and some other place. I bought six locks and two of those six were able to just unscrew and you can access the Eternals within a couple seconds. And what the problem was is that they didn't screw it tight enough. If they would have just tightened that back panel, it would have clicked into place and it wouldn't have had any issues. But still, like, what is that? 30 percent of your locks have like this pretty big flaw so anyway i told them about this and they're like yeah probably shouldn't post that video um, because it just kind of condemns their brand a little bit more but i was like as soon as you fix it i will post a follow-up video for free don't need any money and like in a year they fixed their issue sent me a new lock and i was like all right making another follow-up video bought myself this big old portable bandsaw and i and i couldn't get it open the with the back panel so perfect they fixed it that was nice of you to do right by them and not take money just and show that it was fixed and not publish the video that could have got more views and would have been damaging to the company by posting the bad ones all right so those people that want to be youtubers what are some tips you have for like working with brands or basically working with brands because i think you have some really good insights one of the things i really like about what zach does is a lot of times he won't sacrifice who he is for um, for the brands. So if a, if a product doesn't make sense, he's not going to do it. Or if they want him to take down a certain video that maybe they don't like so much, he's not going to do it. And so I would imagine you get talking points sometimes or, or the feedback that you're like, yeah, that's not on my brand. So Zach does a really good job. It's a tough thing when people have a lot of money that they're putting in front of you and they're like, we'll give you this, just say this or just take this out. It's not easy to like turn it down. Um, but what tips do you have for people that are wanting to be YouTube creators or are YouTube creators right now and they're just growing their channel. 
how to work with brands? Well, everything I learned about working with brands, I learned from you. So. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but stay, the staying true thing is a pretty big deal. Like I, I posted this um, bump stock video a while back that just explained what a bump stock was in, in a pretty clear, concise way. Um, in short, a bump stock makes a gun fire faster, um, depending on how you hold it, but it's also a lot less accurate. Um, I probably had like four or five brands turn me down after I made that video. Um, brands that I really enjoyed working with. Um, I probably lost six figures worth of brand deals because I published that video. Um, but, and there was people who were like, the brands were like, if you take this down, like we can work with you again. And I'm like, but that video is like, I feel like it does more good being up. Like it's pretty unbiased. Um, just explains what it is. I feel like the background, it's important to talk about the background of that that video because it is a gun video and it has like the bump stock. It makes it shoot faster. It was after a very sad um, like American shooting thing that happened. And so it was a really tough situation. But the thing was, there it, going back in a way to the cell phones, like looking online, there was not one clear video that showed how this thing works easily how to use it and then also like is it dangerous is it more dangerous than having it not on there and and so i thought it was interesting because you put that video out of course it did really well it showed pretty quickly like it makes a significant difference but what was interesting is within the next few months the government was looking at creating new legislation on whether they should ban these guns gun stop gun bump stocks, bump stocks. or not and they ended up banning them yeah and I, there has to be the most educational video. And I bet there are so many congressmen or at least their aides that watched this video on YouTube and said, this is it. Look at this. Look how much more dangerous it is to have this versus not have it. We probably don't need this thing. And that helped help the legislation go through. So yeah, Zach lost out on hundreds of thousands of dollars, probably hundreds. And not just that, but like you said, like brands that you would want to work with, but you decreased world suck. Like you hopefully helped prevent something bad from happening again and you educated people on it and it's still up to this day so yeah, yeah i love that example is it is tricky when a company that you really want to work with and, and then they also want to pay you a lot of money and they're like just take this down <laughs> yeah nope i really like that video along those same lines of like working with brands i remember back when we made i think we had our third tesla video out it was like 2016 it was a long time ago when we got our first tesla and we put three videos out. They did really well. It was our brand new family channel. We'd never posted on there really. Nothing had really taken off. It's just in family vlogs. But all of a sudden, people loved this. They loved the Tesla stuff. And then one of the major manufacturers reached out through an ad agency. And they said, hey, we want to pay you, I think it was $50,000, and potentially give us a car to have for two years just to just to work with them, which I'm like, I've wanted to work with this brand on a big level. And then next thing you know, um, or, or, but then they said, all you have to do is take down that, those three Tesla videos, just make them private, just make them private and you're good. And so I had, I had this internal discussion and well, and with Leslie, I'm like, what do we do about this? Like, I really like that, that those videos, they help the channel grow. And when it came down to is I was like, all right, I'm going to think long-term here. I may be missing out on money right now but hopefully other these other manufacturers that are trying to suppress this information about cars that are i think are the future hopefully someday they'll start making electric cars and then maybe they'll 
give us the experiences and maybe we'll get paid for it at some point. But even, even to the other point, like it also is really authentic, good content for our channel just to talk about Tesla's. Like we really loved them. They were interesting. Now the world is seeing that, like they love Tesla's now and everybody's out there. A lot of people are driving them. They're not as novel anymore. They're still fun, but we put out probably a hundred videos on just educational things about Tesla's and really helped like Elon's goal is to push people into sustainable energy and decrease the, the amount of gas vehicles and everything on in the world. But I feel like I had a hand in that just from making videos. I right. mean, I mean, you've gotten so many referrals, like how many referrals do you have right now? Oh man. Which by the way, they're about to do away with that. I don't know if you saw what? that this week. Actually yesterday they just announced, I'm going to pull, pull it up right now. I have, I looked last night because of this thing. So I think somebody just passed me. So I'm number eight in the world. Wow. But, and I think it's like maybe close to 500,000 or sorry, 500,000 or close to 500 referrals. Wow. That's a lot of people. I think I'm at like 70 or something like that. I don't know, but dang, that's, that's a lot. It's crazy. They just keep coming. Everybody keeps buying Teslas, but they're doing away with it. So anyway, there's like a hundred percent gone or what Elon doesn't want people to have links that they can spam in social media. That's kind of what the employees were saying. It's not an official thing yet, but I think it was electric Fred from electric. He knows a lot of the employees at Tesla and he got a hold of talked to somebody that's in charge of it or got an email or something and they're doing away with it. And they're going to have an app based thing where if you're in person with somebody, maybe you like scan the code or something and you give them like a real world ride in it. But they also said something about how this last year they basically lost, lost. They gave away, I think it was like $31 million in free supercharging to people. And they're like, well, maybe we don't need to give that away as much anymore. Because when you, if you're buying a Tesla right now, you can get a thousand miles of free supercharging. You get what you get it. And then you also, the other person that buys the car gets it. I have like, 280,000 right I have like 80,000 like you can go around the world how many times with that like, oh my I've gosh. tried to use it like it's funny about it's a month awesome. ago we'd go to the superchargers all the time and I would just plug in I'd have an extra 30 minutes picking up my daughter I'd leave early just to charge to try to get that down and to not use energy for my house as being really cheap which and is funny because your energy, I mean, we're getting nerdy now, but it's like six cents per kilowatt is. hour or something. It's so cheap. It's so, so cheap. you're saving like a dollar. Yeah. By sitting by there for the 30 minutes. <laughs> Complete waste of time. Yeah. And it just kept pennies. going up because people kept buying cars. I'm like, oh, look at that. I got it down to 275. And then like two days later, it's back above 280. I'm like, okay, I'm never bringing this down. But yeah. anyway, supposedly that's gone. Well, weird. So, And for the money side of it, to tie that into like the whole not going with the big brand manufacturer i get a free roadster it's like two hundred fifty thousand dollar car so that brand wasn't going to pay me 250 and by making tesla videos i got that car so. and i think brands overall have gotten rid of that like exclusivity mindset where like you have to be dedicated to us from now on and so i think yeah. by you rejecting them that time i'm sure now they've stopped looking for that you started with car things we've done a lot of car stuff now. Like we go on lots of trips. I don't know if you guys go watch it. Like we end up going on a lot of the same ones, whether it's Mercedes Benz. We did the GMC Hummer recently. Mm -hmm. We've done a lot of different cars. I was your photographer for some car out of China that never came to fruition. Oh, the Faraday. The Faraday. That was fun. I was, yeah. I was his photographer the whole time. It was really funny. <laughs> it was great. But um, do you enjoy doing electric car videos? Yeah. So my very first ride in electric car ever was with you and your silver Model S. Ooh, I didn't, and, I didn't remember that. And before then, I was like, uh, Tesla's glorified golf carts. <laughs> and then I rode in yours, and I was like, you. the very first thing, you were just like, jump in the driver's seat. 
And then we had only known each other for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, you're letting me drive your Tesla? <laughs> so I jumped yeah. in and holy cow, my life changed from that moment forward. And then so. the first time you ever did autopilot was on the way to Vegas to CES. Yep. And I had you drive. I've seen that thumbnail a million times. For some reason, it pops up in my suggested. Yeah, but it's all like, the time. You like this. <laughs> You're like, whoa, autopilot. Super creepy. Yeah. Now you have an electric. Now the Rivian. That's the one you have on order. Cybertruck you have on order. I do. <laughs> <laughs> all the trucks. Except for Hummer. Order. I don't have Hummer on order, but they're, oh my gosh, those three trucks, they're all really great. But the more I see of the Cybertruck now... I feel like something's off with it. I can't quite tell. Like the tires look too small or something. I don't know. Yeah. So I really don't know which one I'm going to end up with at this point. Yeah, the Cybertruck's a bit odd. They had it in Austin the other day, and it did look different. I don't yeah. know. Like you're right, the wheels with the fenders, the angles are a bit harsh. It's cool. It's super cool. And the stats are what's going to blow you away. When I saw it in Persian, 100% in love with it. But now I'm not as Did you love it when it came off the stage, though? Took me because I did not. Not the first like thirty seconds, but then I liked it after that. Once he started hitting it with things, I was like, "This, this is, is the best sweet. car ever." Yeah. But I mean, we were there. He's, I think if if you're watching the YouTube side of this, we'll show the reaction right here of like Zach and me because I think it was pretty amazing and it was super authentic. Yeah, that was like a real reaction. We were just like, you're like, no way. Actually, we can play the audio on the on the podcast side of it. You're like, no way. What is this? I said no, no way probably like 10 times. <laughs> That's right. You yeah. kept saying it over and over again. Because I was just blown away. I was like, no way. No way. Yeah. Like, it's not April Fool's. This is not a truck. <laughs> it's so weird. But if you think about the specs of it, of course, it's going to have the screen inside. It's going to have Tesla motors, Tesla batteries. If it has the new 4680 batteries with over 500 or 600 miles range with all that torque, with the autopilot system that's in there, if the back does roll down and cover it, then it's like metal or it's solar panels and you protect everything that's in there. The suspension goes all the way down in the back so you can like ride a four-wheeler up into it or like carry something in there. Super cool. There's so many things about it that you're just like, this is amazing. And I'm probably going to just look past the some of the weird looks of it. But the Rivian, what do you think about the Rivian? Rivian, if I had to pick, like if you told me I had to pick right now, Rivian would probably be it because it looks more normal. And I'm at the point with my YouTube channel now, which I'm not complaining, like I love it. But basically anytime I go outside, I get recognized. And that would just be tenfold with the Cybertruck. Hmm. But the Rivian looks normal enough that I might be able to go out and not be noticed, which I would, which I kind of enjoy. I don't know, because by the time they're rolling the Cybertrucks off the line, and if they're making as many as they make, it's not going to be like, oh, there's that YouTuber. It's going to be like, there's a Cybertruck. And then be like, oh, there's another Cybertruck. And then there's going to be one with like a really weird color. And it's going to be like, that thing is ugly. So I don't know. But I get that point. If that's the case, then I would feel more okay with it. Yeah. The Rivian looks amazing. Do we know when it's coming out? June of this year is what they June say. June of this year. Okay. We're getting kind of close to that. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets pushed back a little bit. They are brand new in this. But I'm excited about the Rivian. It looks cool. You can like open up the side panel and stick a log through it don't know why have you, you seen need, that if you need to do that thing? Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird but yeah I, I i'm excited for electric cars you saw that i did the mercedes video recently 
We've done a few Mercedes videos. We've crashed drones together doing Mercedes videos. I would love to see some sort of Mercedes truck or like G-Wagon utility vehicle, something that we could, that they could do that would be really cool. That would be cool. But we got to take another trip. Okay, after all of the travel restrictions are over, where's where's one of the where's the few places on your list where you're like, that's where I want to go to make a YouTube video or just to go to? The place that's popped up in my head most of the time is just Ireland. Like going to Ireland with what's that resort called in Northern Ireland with the, the health and safety. I just watched the video this last week. I can't remember the name of it. It was so nice. It starts though. like a G, like Glog or something. I wanted to say Gaylord, but that's like a Texas and and. How can we both can't remember? There's this know. resort in Ireland that I just, every time I've gone um, for the power of video, um, it's just, it's great. And I just want to go back. Because for me, a vacation isn't going somewhere new because that kind of like stresses me out. There's a lot of thinking going on. For me, a vacation is going somewhere I've already been. And that's what's relaxing for me. Hmm. And so Ireland would be Ireland. my thing. Northern, Northern Ireland. Ireland. <laughs> I keep, keep correcting you. Yep. I had no idea it was a thing until, sorry to all of those that are from Northern Ireland and Ireland. Um, we do know it's very it's conflicted. It was a war. We know a little bit about it. Yep. But yeah, Northern Ireland, beautiful. That would be a great place. I, I, and every time we've gone there, it's been sunny. So yeah. it's like perfect weather. And then where they filmed the Game of Thrones with the trees, the dark hedges, that was one of the prettiest places I've ever seen. I, we just were pulling this up. I was just showing somebody the YouTube video this last week, and you were in it after I brought the drone in, and you were like, you got it? You saved the drone? Yeah, that would be a good one. Would you take Cambry to that? Is that somewhere oh, you're, you're just thinking like you and Cambry vacation, go. Yeah, no videos. She would love that. I mean, I, obviously, I can't really go on a vacation without trying to film a video at the same time, so I would film something. <laughs> um, but yeah, Cambry would love it there, too. Yeah. Okay. We um, This has been a lot of fun. This has been really fun. I, we, go, we could talk for hours. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to go on the last question here, the last short topic, because I'm curious about it. What is your thoughts on uh, cryptocurrency? And do you, are you an investor in any cryptocurrency? So funny story. Um, I bought crypto back when Bitcoin was $800. I bought a full Bitcoin. And I'm like, you're probably thinking, wow, he's rich now. Wrong. I turned around and sold it the next day for 800 bucks. Um, but the thing was, when I sold it, I was on Coinbase. And when you bought the Bitcoin, they give you like $5 of free Bitcoin. That five dollars turned into like what did I say? It was like three hundred something, or four hundred like something. I thought it was like a thousand or something. It was something crazy. Maybe it was a few hundred bucks. Yeah, I think it was like four hundred bucks. And so I just had four hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin sitting in that account because I had five dollars worth of Bitcoin way back, like <laughs> ten years ago or something. Anyway, so now I'm more of a believer. I've gotten onto the whole uh, uh, what is it called? Fiat currency the dodge doge oh, oh doge doge coin or <laughs> yep. dodge coin some people know. call it doggy coin but yeah doge coin i bought a bunch of that um yeah i'm a believer now because especially we, when we say a bunch are you like are you like a billionaire from no no, doge? no, no, no. <laughs> i bought a couple thousand of the doge coins so okay cool so but i bought them back when they were like five cents a piece so it was way Ooh. cheaper now but well i gotta show you something that's my when it comes to crypto and this was not a planned thing but check this out. You're going to love this. So I haven't been investing in crypto for very long. This was um, this was the last time I owned Dogecoin. I bought it, and, I, and it was pretty cheap. And check this out. This is when I sold it. Um, yeah, I sold it January 4th, day after Lincoln's birthday of this year. 
I had 1 million coins and I sold them and made a whopping $9,000. This Why? is the confirmation of my sell. You sold a million I of sold them? Sold a million coins that today would be worth $600,000. Just that was January 4th. Dude. Yeah, I'm dumb. <laughs> Do not take financial advice from Dan. <laughs> we are not financial advice. Or advisors. me. I sold and my I'm Bitcoin at 800. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, crypto. I'm starting to become more of a believer in just like the whole argument of decentralized currency. Yeah. I, I've actually, for Lincoln, we were we bought a couple different ones. We bought like these hype coins. That's what they're called right now. They're, they're like Dogecoin, but way in the earlier days. So it could go to zero and it could go up by a thousand times. And so one of them is called Safe Moon, and I bought that, and it it re- it rose up so fast, it went crazy. And so I transferred a thousand dollars to Lincoln so that he could have some. Nice. And it was awesome because I've never actually sent somebody or tr- done a transaction with cryptocurrency, and I was scared because the wallet, the number that you have to put in, like your wallet number, is this massive number. It's so easy. You just like push a button, copy it, put it in literally within seconds it was in his account now I, I understand it's not as good with like bitcoin and ethereum where it takes like 20 minutes it has to be mined in all these places all over the world and it does take some time for it to go supposedly again i'm not an expert but um but to transfer it to somebody i'm like this is great if you just had that on like a credit card and your crypto is on there and you did transactions off of that like at the grocery store or whatever it should work and it should be super easy and I know it's volatile, but you don't have to worry as much about like the U.S. dollar or Chinese yuan or whatever happens. Yeah. So, I'm curious. I'm so curious. We've done yeah. a, we did a podcast on the cryptocurrency, and it's only been like oh two weeks since we filmed that, and I've learned so much since. But yeah, okay. I'm so, a believer now though, because it's what kind of like what you're saying. We had so much like disturbances through the election cycle and stuff, and just had, knowing that Bitcoin is not attached to a nation. It's a ta- it's worldwide. You, you, if you're in Africa, you can get Bitcoin, and like it's it's a worldwide currency. And so that's why I that's why I it's I, that's what clicked for me. Yeah, is the worldwide aspect. I'm curious to see if what government steps up first and says we're going to regulate this or we're going to make you not be able to do this or that. And can they? I don't know if they can, but they're. I think people are going to try at some point, or they'll create their own crypto to somehow have some skin in the game. But it'll be interesting. Okay. That is today's podcast. Zach, thank you for being on. Um, We're going to do some of these. I would like to do a podcast sometime with you when we travel somewhere around the world. Next time we're somewhere random spot. Right now we're in your studio. Maybe we'll do it in my studio someday. But someday I want to be, maybe it is in Northern Ireland, and we got this spa in the background where I crashed my drone, and we can sit there. If you haven't watched that video, seriously, we'll put a link in the description of the YouTube video here. It's, I think it's called It's Always Sunny in North, in Ireland. I can't remember the name of the video. No, I crashed my drone in Ireland. That's what it's called. Yeah. I didn't say Northern Ireland. I just said Ireland. But um, anyway, that was a really fun video. But I would love to do that sometime. We'll just have a little conversation. But yeah, keep tearing it up. If you guys don't know Zach, Jerry Rig, everything, you can follow him on social. Zach's Jerry Rig is your Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. And Facebook, Instagram, come hang out with him. He always says at the end of his videos. But YouTube, Jerry Rig, everything. So anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And uh, we'll see you. Oh, no, I'll let you, I'm going to let you finish it. Go Thanks, Tom, for watching. We'll see you around.